Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. How many times have you sat down to write something or create a piece of content and you spend like 30 minutes staring at a blank page, totally not sure what to freaking write about? I know that happens all the time, especially if you're not in the habit of creating content consistently. And my favorite way to get around that is to not even get to that point in the first place. We never want to show up to write without having a pre conceived idea of what we're going to write about. So I like to create kind of brain dumps of all these different content ideas that I can pull from and create a content calendar that I'll work from in my business. And you can create content calendars for your blog, you can create content calendars for a YouTube channel or social media. It's a great idea to spend some time up front maybe once a month or once a quarter, kind of planning out your main pieces of content that you're gonna hit on throughout that time period. So, you know, you can also fall down a rabbit hole in that project. So today I'm gonna share with you ways to come up with 30 content ideas in 30 minutes. So my goal here is to share some strategies that I use in my business to come up with content ideas. I'm gonna share six different tactics. And if you just spend five minutes on each tactic, you will have at least 30 content ideas done within those 30 minutes. And this means just a brain dump of ideas that you can then dig deeper into and hone and refine and then get on your actual content calendar. But of course, the first step is this brain dump process where you even come up with ideas in the first place. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. So to start, I want you to open up like a Google document or a note on your computer or your phone just to kind of, like I said, brain dump and get all of your ideas out there in one spot. That's what we're focusing on today. And I'm gonna go over six tactics where you can get the ideas to put in that brain dump. Again, spend about five minutes on each tactic and you've got at least 30, if not maybe even hundreds of ideas within 30 minutes. So tip number one, join Facebook groups where your ideal client hangs out. You guys know I run a Facebook group. I love Facebook groups. I just really enjoy the community aspect and the really rich discussions that happen within Facebook groups or at least well-run Facebook groups. Uh, But guess what? Whatever your niche is, I bet there is a Facebook group out there, a free Facebook group that you could join and see what people in your niche are talking about. And I'm not just talking about like professional Facebook groups. I know I talk about those a lot where you can network with other dietitians or peers in your different niche spaces. Yeah, those are great. And it is nice to see you know, what your peers are chatting about, but it's equally as important to hang out where your ideal customers are. So for example, um, if you are a dietitian who works with people with celiac disease, for example, guaranteed if you go into Facebook and type in celiac into the search bar, uh, it will bring up a bunch of different results, but one of those, the tabs in the results is for groups, and you can click on that, and you can see all the celiac-related groups, and Facebook itself has already said that they're kind of pushing 
um, support groups for different topics. So guaranteed there's a support group out there for people with celiac disease to kind of hang out and chat with each other. And your goal would be to join those groups. The bigger the group generally, the better in terms of the amount of interaction and data you can get from that uh, joining that group. It's just usually more active if there's more people in there. But you're not really even joining with the goal of necessarily even participating, although of course you can and that can help you build rapport and maybe bring you some inbound leads, but even just hanging out in the room tells you so, so much. The goal isn't really to go into these spaces and try to like poach people or get clients, you know, that's that's usually not allowed. Like you can't do self-promotion stuff within these groups for, for good reason or else, you know, it wouldn't be a safe space to hang out. It would be a place where people are trying to get marketed to all the time, but you can totally use it for market research. So like I said, go to Facebook and in the main search bar, type in whatever topic you're an expert in. Go to the groups area and request to join the large groups in your niche. And once you're in there, you can see what questions are people asking. And guaranteed there's going to be some themes that come up again and again if you hang out in the group long enough. But even right off the bat, again, I, I just wanted you to spend five minutes on each of these. So right off the bat, right when your request gets accepted, just go in there and spend five minutes scrolling through and just look at the questions people have asked in the last couple days. And then ask yourself, have you already created content on these topics? Because clearly these are people in your niche, your potential ideal clients, and you're just basically getting a great view into what they're stuck on and what trouble spots they're having. And you can use that to come up with content. So I want you to scroll through the group, whatever group you're in, and write down 10 ideas based on things that people have posted about. So I did an example to help flesh this out. So for example, um, I am in a celiac support group that has over 20,000 people in it. There's lots of different groups out there, but this was just one I decided to use for an example. And just scrolling through it for like a minute, some of the recent posts that were shared, people were looking for tips for vegetarians with celiac disease. Lots and lots of people were sharing their favorite gluten-free products, which perhaps that could spark an idea for you to create like a list post, perhaps like 20 best gluten-free pastas or something like that, where you test them and give and rank them in your favorites. Uh, people asking, oh, do I need to buy all new pots and pans after I've been diagnosed? Do my personal care products need to be gluten-free? Can you get gluten from kissing someone? Or more complex questions like, is there a link between celiac and other autoimmune diseases? And again, my favorite part about being in forums is that these are real people asking these questions, not a bunch of dietitians who already have a lot of nutrition knowledge. So you can see the language that they're using and then the exact questions that they're asking and common themes that pop up again and again. Uh, or you might see people asking questions where there aren't really any good resources or responses, and that can be a light bulb moment as well, like, oh, there's an unmet need here. So this is a golden opportunity for you. And you can just look at the language and the, the way that people are asking things and, and try to bring that phrasing into the content that you create because it will connect with them much more strongly if you're you know answering the exact question that they had in their own words. So I, I talk about this a lot. As healthcare professionals, we 
can tend to go really sciencey or medically. And of course, if you're, your audience is other healthcare professionals, that's one thing. But if you're trying to connect with lay people, you might be more successful if you connect with them with their own words. Um, so not necessarily using crazy medical lingo if that's not something they're familiar with or they don't know what those words mean. Of course, you can educate them within your content on what those things mean, but the initial like title um, or the the hook for the content, like what they think they're going to learn in the article, should be some sort of version of a question that they're asking already in their own words. So our goal here is to just join Facebook groups and brain dump all the awesome questions that you see people asking right now, as many as you feel comfortable. And there, it's like an endless resource. It's pretty awesome. And then again, we're just trying to do a brain dump and you can refine these ideas later. I'll close out this episode with some tips on that. Tip number two of places that you can go to come up with content ideas, Quora and Reddit. So these are both websites where people come together to ask questions and have discussions, kind of like Facebook groups, but just not on Facebook. Um, I, I prefer Facebook myself, but not everyone has a Facebook account or wants to join Facebook groups with their personal profile. Um, so if you, that's you, you can check out these other alternative forums. Uh, so if you go to, let's say, Reddit, you can search for your niche in the search bar and look for Reddit subgroups, that's what they call them, um, in your niche. And Reddit is anonymous, so if you don't want to reveal who you are, even if you create an account, it can be totally anonymous and you can't see who the people are who are asking the questions either. Um, so for example, I typed in bariatric surgery on Reddit and there is a Reddit subgroup for bariatric surgery. And you can see people are asking for pre-op diet recommendations, exercise limitations post-surgery, whether or not this type of procedure would impact their fertility, etc. So those are great questions that your potential ideal client, if that's your niche, is asking. And you could be the one to answer them with your content. And you know that those are things that are on your ideal client's mind and that matter to them because they're going out of their way to ask about them. Similarly on Quora, I tried typing in sports nutrition and I found a lot of people asking questions on Quora. Quora is less of a, there's not really like, you know, uh, subgroups or whatever on different topics, but people just ask questions. They can ask questions about anything and potentially get answers from really authoritative people. Uh, and so if you type in sports nutrition, there were questions like, are branched-chain amino acids a worthwhile supplement? Or what is the difference between whey protein and creatine? Go-to snack foods for bodybuilders? Or how does alcohol affect athletic performance? These are all things that maybe seem obvious to you as a healthcare professional, but as your ideal client is clearly demonstrating, they don't know the answers to all of these things. So you can create content around those topics that they have questions on. So again, just spend a few minutes poking around, jotting down some ideas. Same idea as with the Facebook group. Tip number three, check out the index section of books. So if you're like me, I bet you have a bunch of nutrition books sitting around on your bookshelf and probably a whole bunch from whatever your niche is. So pick one up on a topic within your niche and flip to the index at the back of the book. The index section is like a list in alphabetical order of all the topics covered in that book. So by flipping through there, you can see are there topics within the index of these books within your niche that you haven't covered within your content yet. 
And I also use this as a jumping off point often for doing some keyword research. If you're not familiar with what keyword research is, um, I talk about this a lot in my SEO Made Simple course. And also if you want a free preview um, of generally what SEO is, I talk about SEO and keyword research in episode five of this podcast, where I do kind of like an overview of what SEO or search engine optimization is. But the idea is basically keyword research is when you use tools like like KeySearch or SEMrush, those are two paid tools that I use and recommend, uh, where you type in topic ideas and they will spit back at you a bunch of information about what people specifically type into the Google search bar. And not just what they're typing in, but how many times they're typing it in per month, so search volume, and then also the competition. So how competitive the first page of the Google search results already are. And if it's already super competitive, meaning very large sites with lots of authority and lots of backlinks have already written about this topic and they're filling the first page and they've satisfied the user search intent, you don't really have a great shot of sliding in there as a newer blogger. So we are trying to find things that are still searched a lot, but are less competitive. And those are like the topics that we choose to write about and focus on on our blog to get the best return and bang for our buck and grow our audiences every time we publish a new piece of content. So for the recipe niche, my one of my favorite things to do is to just pick up a cookbook and flip to the index or... You know, I also have this like random, I don't even remember the name of it, but just like a random book uh, where it kind of, oh, here, it's called The Food Lover's Companion. And it's just like a little book. It's pretty fat, actually. And it's an alphabetical sort of dictionary of food terms. And it's basically like a giant you know, index, but with definitions. And so things like that, I'll flip through and just find like random things like almonds, apricots, avocado, whatever, you know, just like foods or cuisines or dishes. And I'll type those into my keyword research tool and it will spit out a bunch of high volume, low competition recipe ideas. And so you don't have to waste hours and hours racking your brain trying to come up with these you know, creative things that you think people are going to like or that you think people are looking for, you know they're looking for it because you're basing your content creation off of data. So that's the goal here. We're just trying to compile a bunch of ideas through all these various methods that I'm teaching you, and then you are going to continue to do further research via keyword research tools if you're planning on blogging um, to figure out which specific topics are high volume, low competition topics that you have a shot at getting a lot of people to your website from if you wrote a piece on that topic. So yeah, that's a pro tip. The the cookbook index section or books like Food Lover's Companion um, are really great for when you're kind of having a brain fart and you don't, you're like, oh, I I just can't think of anything to write about. You literally can just flip open the book. Like here, I'm going to do it right now. Flipping open the book. And the first thing that I opened to was muesli. So kind of, you know, it's kind of like granola, but uncooked oats. Like, oh, duh, I love muesli. Why wouldn't I create a muesli blog post? And then I could do some keyword research on that topic. So there's no reason to feel stuck or feel like you don't have ideas because ideas are everywhere. Tip number four would be looking at magazines, blogs, or following hashtags. And this is a great way to stay on top of trends like uh, the sweet potato toast craze or kale chips way back when, or putting things in a waffle maker or using an air fryer or an instant pot. 
catching a trend at the right time is a great way to potentially go viral. So I use a free website called Feedly, like F-E-E-D-L-Y, to subscribe to the RSS feeds of my favorite blogs and kind of keep up on the news and what people are publishing. Uh, And if you notice a trend bubbling up, that's your opportunity to take note. So of course, trends aren't always great for longevity, like the paleo trend or using a spiralizer. Uh, I went and actually looked. There's a tool called Google Trends, which if you haven't checked that out yet, it's kind of fun to play around with. Just type in Google Trends and it should pop up uh, as like the first thing in the search results. But on the Google Trends tool, you can type in any kind of keyword or topic that you think people might be Googling and see how popular it's been over time. So if you type in paleo, for example, you can see that paleo reached the peak of its popularity in January 2014, and then every year it's basically steadily declined since then, with pops every January, of course. Um, so it's currently only searched at about 20% of the volume at it did, as it did at its peak. So it's kind of a declining trend. <laughs> um, similarly, searches for spiralizers, which were those tools that you could use to like make noodles out of zucchini, for example, that also started to trend up in January 2014. It peaked in December 2015, probably when everyone was buying Christmas presents, and then it's been on the decline since then. And today it's only at 30% of that peak search volume that it once had. So I wouldn't build an entire brand around a trend for this exact reason, just like people who hit the wave for keto are probably feeling a bit of a decline right now. Um, But you could absolutely create content on your blog, not not base the whole blog around it, but create content individually, like individual blog posts or whatever, around content that may go viral or perform well in search for a while, like as spiralizers were super popular, cool, capitalize on that, make a bunch of spiralizer recipes, but then don't make your whole business about spiralizers because then when that trend wanes, you're kind of, you know, SOL, and which means, you know, shit out of luck. <laughs> and then you can't really pivot that well. But if it's just like one piece of your larger recipe blog, you're fine, you know? Um, same things with same thing with the current trends like air fryers and instant pots. They're hot right now. Will they be hot in five years? Probably not as hot as hot. So, you know, of course you can capitalize on the trends while they serve you. Um, but I wouldn't make an entire niche around them. But the point here would be if you subscribe to magazines or you follow them online or you get their emails or you follow bloggers or different hashtags um, on social media, you probably will start to pick up on some trends. And this can spark some, you know, fun ideas for you to supplement your core content. So your core content should really be evergreen. It should be content that will never go out of style. But you can also always throw in stuff that's more on trend because it's fun and it connects with your audience or whatever, you know? So that's another way to come up with fun content. Tip number five, subscribe to Research Digest. So if you publish research-heavy articles, this could be a really big winner for you. So you can subscribe to Research Digest to stay current on what's being published in the literature, come up with topics to write about, or even just like cool tidbits to share on social media. So one that I really enjoy is called Science Daily, 
and it's free and you subscribe you can subscribe to whatever topics that you are interested in and they'll send you daily emails with new research and they kind of summarize the research so it's really easy to read and fun uh you can also create alerts within google scholar so if you like google scholar it's kind of like a in my opinion, easier to use version of PubMed, um, you can create alerts in there for different keywords. So let's say you specialize in migraine. You can set up an alert for the word migraine and then anytime new research is published that uses that word, they'll send you an email with links to the new research. So that's another free way. Uh, And then if you want to go a step further, you could check out a service like Examine Personalized. Um, which is a new offer that I think I talked about maybe a month or so ago in my Facebook group, but it's a new service from examine.com, which is a really awesome website. It's not, you know, so it's not funded by anyone in the industry. It's just um, some people who created a website where they try to unbiasedly look at the research behind different supplements and compile it all in one place so people like us, dietitians, etc., can have a reputable place to go if we have questions about different supplements, for example. So they recently came out with a paid offer um, where you can sign up for monthly research digests on whatever nutrition topics you elect to get news about. So I do like that it's nutrition specific, which is awesome. They comb through the research and they send you the most clinically relevant studies with summaries. But my favorite part and what some of the other services lack is that all of the summaries are kept on the website organized by month. So if you're in the habit, let's say, of publishing really in-depth articles on your blog and you're following best practices and every year or every six months you're going in and you're kind of refreshing the the content, make sure it's up to date, you could so easily log into your exam and personalized account and check out, you know, the most recent uh, published pieces of content or published uh, research on the topic that you're you're updating and see if there's any cool tidbits to add to your content as you're updating it. And so for that convenience alone, it's probably worth the small fee. Um, Otherwise, what are you doing? You're going to have to comb through like PubMed and Google Scholar, et cetera, yourself. Um, I will put a caveat in here. I don't really recommend trying to write blog posts about trending news topics because the news space is super hard to compete with. I mean, you got to think about the giant news corporations that are out there that have huge teams that are pumping out content all of the time. But these could be great topics perhaps to bring up on an Instagram live or you could include updates to current events within your email newsletter, kind of like smaller things like you're not trying to create the news on your own website, like you're not trying to read the primary resource or, you know, primary research and then create a brand new news story. You could, I mean, of course, that could be your business model, but that's just a very different business model than a straight up blog that focuses more on evergreen content. Um, But you could totally just keep up on the research and um, a value add or a reason that someone might join your email list, for example, could be because you're so great at updating them on recent happenings or same thing like why would they follow your social media profile? Maybe that's something that you offer there as well. So just something to think about. So Research Digest could spark ideas for, I would say, either updating really in-depth content or just fun things to talk about on social media or in your email newsletter. 
And then tip number six, our final main tip, is actually just using Google itself for ideas. So when you go to Google and you type whatever you're typing into the search bar, they try to help you out. They have, I'm sure you've seen this before, sort of like an autocomplete function. So as you're typing something into the Google search bar, it will autofill the rest of your search query with the most commonly typed words that people use after that word in search queries. So if you type in, let's say, vegetarian, you'll see before you hit enter a list that pops up below that's kind of like already filled out. Like they're trying to say, oh, is this what you want to search for? Um, I will put a note here. The very first few things, like if you've ever searched for that topic before, Google has started putting in your recent searches at the top because they're trying to think, oh, are you trying to search for this again? Um, so ignore those. So if there's any suggestions that you see in the dropdown that have like a little clock icon to the left, that's something that you or someone else who used your computer have already searched for. Um, but be below that, um, the suggestions without the clock next to it, those are just based on what's popular, what what's being searched the most uh, in the in the recent past uh, with that keyword. So for example, if you typed in vegetarian, the autofill suggestions when I did this were vegetarian recipes, food near me, diet, chili, lasagna, restaurants, food, vegetarian versus vegan, or vegetarian enchiladas. So that's a bunch of ideas right there to jog your, your, your inspiration for content creation or things you want to talk about on your platform. And then if you actually perform the search and click enter and you have a page of search results that pop up, if you scroll down to the very bottom, you'll also see something that says searches related to blank, whatever you typed in. And that is just more ideas for to jog content uh, ideas for you. So you could, if you see anything there in that list, add it to your brain dump and you can dig into it more and see if any of these are topics that you could potentially write a blog post on or maybe make a YouTube video, etc. So I'll just do an example. Uh, if you type in low FODMAP and do a Google search, then you scroll down to the very bottom of that page of the Google search results, you'll see searches related to low FODMAP. And the um, related searches are low FODMAP vegetables, recipes, meal plan, fruits, um, diet Stanford, diet PDF, diet chart, and bread. So those are all things that people who Google low FODMAP are also Googling. So if that's your niche, you probably want to make sure you have content around some of those topics if those are the most popular things uh, that your ideal client would be looking for. I'll talk about this again in a second. Um, on how to know which topics to pursue or not. But just put them on your brain dump list and we'll dig into that in a minute. And then for some searches, not all, you may also see a box somewhere on that first page of the search results that says people also ask. It's often up near the top, but not always. It can be found in different locations. And for the low FODMAP search, the people also ask section says, and these are just more questions that people are asking in Google. Um, basically, the difference between the searches related to and the people also ask section, searches related to are actually like verbatim what people are typing into the Google search bar. People also ask, is Google getting smarter? So Google trying to take 
the weird like not full sentence things that people type into the Google search bar and turn them into questions that they think people want to know the answer to. Um, so for example, with a low FODMAP, it says people also ask, what does low FODMAP mean? Is a low FODMAP diet good for IBS? Are eggs low FODMAP? Is peanut butter low FODMAP? And for each of those questions, there is a little arrow to the right of the question. And if you click the arrow, it opens up a little box with the answer to that question that they pulled from someone's blog. So this is another great opportunity to slide into the search results if you create really concise and helpful answers to those specific questions. And, you know, obviously, you want to entice them to click over to your website and not just get the answer in the Google search results. So you want to answer it, but also, you know, make it clear that there's more information that someone could find uh, when they click your post. So that's a really awesome um, place to get even more ideas. Uh, and, you know, what's even cooler with that people also ask section is it's not always just text answers either. They can even show videos under the people also ask area. So if you're a YouTube creator, it, you don't necessarily need to create a whole blog post per se on those people also ask questions. If there are smaller things or questions that you really think would be better answered or more clearly answered in a video, you could make a YouTube video to answer that query. And it's possible for one of your YouTube videos to show up underneath the people also ask questions. Um, otherwise, if you do think that they make good questions to answer within a blog post, uh, you could just include those questions verbatim because you know what Google thinks people are looking for. You can literally take those questions verbatim. Again, this is slightly different than keyword research because keyword research is looking at the weird, like not full sentence things that people type into Google, but Google's trying to reformulate those into real questions. So you can also just copy those real questions that Google thinks people are, are wanting to know the answer to and include those verbatim questions in your content with, you know, maybe H3 headers. If you don't know what that means, I mean, you can learn about all of this in so much depth in my SEO Made Simple course, but it's just a way to kind of um, outline your content in a way that makes sense to a crawler, like a Google bot that's coming to your content and trying to figure out the hierarchy of the information there. Um, your title, for example, of your blog post is usually an H1, and then you kind of create topics and subtopics throughout your post with different headers like H2, H3, H4, etc. So a lot of people will include these people also ask questions as maybe H3 headers in their content or uh, something that's kind of trending right now. You could even try to use them with a frequently asked questions schema box. So frequently asked questions schema is just markup that you're adding to your content to let Google know um, these are frequently asked questions. You can display these in the uh, on the Google search results in a really easy easy way. Um, so you know, frequently asked questions schema is another way to show up in the search results. And if you use a free version of the Yoast plugin, the Yoast plugin is a free SEO uh, plugin that anyone can use. You can then just add a frequently asked questions kind of box in your blog post via a Gutenberg block. So Gutenberg is the newest WordPress editor. And if you're creating a piece of content and you want to add a new block to the content, like a new paragraph or a list or whatever, 
Um, instead of doing something like that, you just add a frequently asked questions block and you fill out, you know, what is the question? What is the answer? And it will display as a nice little table in your blog post and the frequently asked question schema that is required in order to show up as a frequently asked question in the Google search results uh, that will already be applied for you. Uh, so that's another way that people are experimenting with getting these questions answered directly in the Google search results. Whew. So, you know, Google itself is a wealth of information. Um, highly recommend experimenting with that, playing around. And then, you know, my final bonus tip is to check out a tool called Answer the Public. And I used to talk about and promote this tool more because it used to be 100% free. It's recently become a mostly paid tool. They give you a couple free searches every day. I think you get like two free searches a day or something like that, which is pretty small, um, but possibly useful enough if you only have a few topics in mind that you want to dig deeper into. Um, but Answer the Public is basically a website. Go to answerthepublic.com and you type in whatever root topic you're interested in, like prenatal, for example, and get a bunch of ideas. So this uh, tool basically looks at all the things that people are typing into Google and spits out a bunch of the most common questions that people ask. So they have it broken up into like who, what, when, where, why, how, can types of questions and then also alphabetical topics. So just really quickly when I did that, some questions that they spit out were things like are prenatal vitamins important? Can prenatal vitamins cause diarrhea? which prenatal vitamin is best, prenatal to-do list, or prenatal gifts. So tons of ideas based on what real people are searching for in Google. And unfortunately, they recently made it $99 a month for unlimited use, which is uh, extremely expensive for what they offer, in my opinion. Um, so if you have that type of budget, I don't recommend spending it on Answer the Public. I would recommend wholeheartedly spending it on a tool like SEMrush, which is a premium, you know, SEO slash keyword research tool. And you get a lot more information like how many times it's searched per month, how difficult the competition is, etc. cetera, uh, that would help you make decisions that are actually actionable. <laughs> So um, I just thought I'd throw it out there. It's like a kind of fun tool to just play around with when you have free time. But now that it's only two free searches per day, it does kind of limit you. Um, but you can download, um, I believe, I'm, I'm not sure if you have to have the paid plan to download it, but um, either way, you could even just like screenshot the, um, the list of questions and save it for a bunch of ideas. So congratulations, by now you should have at least 30 awesome potential content ideas in just about 30 minutes. And like I said, I wanted to end this episode with just some suggestions on how to hone those ideas. So once you have your brain dump, you kind of have to decide which topics are most appropriate potentially for a blog post, which topics might be most appropriate for something like a YouTube video, or which topics might be better suited for social media content or even emails, like a newsletter or email marketing components. So since I love blogging, and that's my main thing I like to talk about and teach on, um, I would first and foremost do some keyword research to understand 
which, if any, of the topics would make good blog posts. And again, this is a huge topic that I spend, you know, like two hours going over in depth in my SEO Made Simple course. So I can't go into that much depth right now in this podcast episode, but um, I kind of mentioned it already. Let's say you found, you know, people were asking a lot of questions about prenatal vitamins and you're like, all right, that I am a prenatal dietitian. I think I need to address this on my blog. You could type in prenatal vitamins into one of the keyword research tools like KeySearch or SEMrush, and it will spit out hundreds probably of ideas using that specific keyword. So um, it will be any sort of combination of words that people type into the Google search bar that uses the words prenatal and vitamins. (laughs) And uh, it will, you can then filter the results. If you use SEMrush, it's easier to filter uh, because they give you all the data up front. You can then filter maybe things that are searched 500 or more times a month, let's say, and the difficulty is, you know, moderate or or easier than that. <laughs> and uh, then you could come up with a list of blog post ideas. And I personally would pick the highest vol- volume one that was in a realistic difficulty range and go for that. Um, but not everything will have an easy enough keyword for you to target. So if you're typing in one of your ideas like um, celiac disease meal plan, let's say, maybe that's already been done by a lot of really large websites and you don't really have a shot at creating something that's more likely to rank on the first page of the Google search results. Well, that's okay. It doesn't mean you can't use that in another way because that's still an idea or a topic that your ideal client is looking for. Maybe you can make that as a really awesome lead magnet on your website. So get the people to your website through other pieces of content that you've created and then entice them to sign up for your email list with that meal plan, for example. Um, Or maybe you want to make YouTube videos. You can also do YouTube video keyword research. And that's not something I really have any experience in. It's a same idea where you're looking for what people type into YouTube instead of Google um, and then seeing what the YouTube results are and how competitive they are. And you can use tools like KeySearch to do that type of keyword research as well. I'm just not sure, like I'm not a YouTuber, so I'm not, I don't have all the the backend knowledge that you'd need to then optimize your YouTube video um, specifically for natively within YouTube. I know how to optimize videos to be discovered in Google search because that's what SEO is, um, but YouTube is its own separate beast. Um, but if that's your, your space and your niche, you could do YouTube keyword research to see if any of the topics might be a good fit for YouTube videos. Um, and again, if, if a piece, if a topic perhaps comes up and it's too difficult to rank for in Google, maybe you don't do YouTube videos or it's already also too difficult for a YouTube video, but you really feel like it's an important piece of content that's essential to serve your ideal reader, of course you can always make the executive decision to create like a cornerstone piece of content on those topics and uh you know, you can send people there in other ways. So if you think it's an essential piece of information that would, you know, if it wasn't on your website, it would feel lacking, you know, like maybe a post on like, what is celiac disease? Obviously, you're not going to rank on the top 
in the top 10 search results for that in Google because places like WebMD and Healthline and all those websites are already taking up the top spots. Some smaller blogger writing about what is celiac disease has almost no shot. However, if that's your niche, you may feel like you need a post on that to constantly refer back to or send your clients to, even if you know it's not going to be a winner um, from an SEO aspect and bringing you a bunch of organic search traffic. That's okay. Sometimes you can make the decision to create content to serve your reader, regardless of how it's going to perform in search. Um, And then if there's other maybe like tangential things that you thought were going to be popular, things that people typed into Google, but they're not, but you do see people asking questions about them a lot in Facebook groups or whatever, or it's something really trendy, or it's a new news piece, like a news story, a new piece of research that you just wanted to throw out into the world in a fun, actionable way. Uh, You could maybe make Facebook group posts about it. You could do Instagram uh, posts or or IGTV or IG Lives or Facebook Lives or Twitter or TikTok. You know, all of those platforms are great places to talk about things that maybe aren't winners from an SEO perspective. And again, you can always also create emails or lead magnets around those topics as well. Uh, So long story short, once you have your brain dump of ideas, try to figure out first and foremost which ones might make good blog posts, so which ones are SEO winners, and then add them to your content calendar for blogging. Um, You know, maybe you publish a new blog post once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, whatever it is, add those ideas to your content calendar from the easiest and highest volume option and on down. Those that aren't great for blog posts, perhaps add them as ideas to cover uh, via your social media content calendar, etc. And then breathe a sigh of relief after you're done with this and check that mental box off. You have come up with a, a, a plethora of ideas by using these strategies. You've scheduled them into your content calendar. You've done the research to feel confident and know, okay, these ones are going to do really well with my blog. These other topics are great for social media. Check, check, check. I have my content planned out for the next month, two months, whatever. And now you just have to show up and execute. So the idea is you no longer will come to your computer with no idea what you're doing. It's already all scheduled and planned out for you. Huge mental load off and a time saver because you don't have to come up with something every single time you sit down. You spent that time up front and now you have a lot of clarity. So I hope this was a helpful episode for you. Uh, My call to action this week, I would say, is to check out and join my SEO Made Simple course if this sounds exciting to you. So if you are interested in blogging and you want to learn more about things like keyword research or you know those the, the way to format your blog posts like I was talking about earlier or things like frequently asked questions schema, I talk about all of that in my SEO Made Simple course. And it's full of mostly dietitians, but also some other healthcare professionals, nutritionists, students, people who haven't even started their their website yet, but they want to make sure they understand the strategy behind it before they get started. All people like that are all welcome. Um, There's a wonderful community, a private Facebook group of uh, around 300 people right now um, where we all hang out and cheer each other on. We share our wins. So when our blog posts land on the first page of Google or we get a bunch of traffic or we're eligible for an ad network like Mediavine or we made a really great affiliate sales, 
or ebook sales or whatever, we're all in there cheering each other on and answering each other's questions. So it's a much more private, intimate community for people who are really niched down and working on growing their online business and their blogs. And just letting you guys know, I am working on revamping the course and my sales process and how I run my courses moving forward. Um, So I can say that the current price is going to be going up a little bit in the near future. So if you're at all on the fence, um, now is a great time to join. I'll let you guys know again, like when the price is actually going up, but I just know that's on the horizon in maybe like a month or two. Um, So now is a great chance to join. There's six lessons. It walks you through all the nuts and bolts of blogging, getting your content found on Google. And I can confidently say without a shadow of a doubt, if you show up and you follow the steps and you do the work, you will get more website traffic. And then from that website traffic, you can grow your audience, your email list, your ad revenue, your affiliate income. You might be able to Uh, partner up with other businesses and do things like sponsored posts. You could sell your own digital goods, your own courses. You could create membership sites, or you can even get one-on-one clients through just having more people find your website and love what you're all about. Um, And again, if you sign up for the course, you get lifetime access. So once you're in, you're in for all future iterations without having to pay more again in the future. And you have that really awesome private Facebook group where you get to hang out with me and like 300 other awesome uh, online business owners. So yeah, that's my tips for today. And just to, before we close out, I just wanted to remind people as well, one final bonus tip that I personally always forget about, um, but another type of content that you shouldn't ever forget to put out there in the world. Don't forget to share the nice things that people are saying about you, your content, your program, and most importantly, sharing the wins that your paying customers are getting. So um, obviously, you know, it depends on your niche. If you are doing something like insurance-based MNT, then obviously this isn't going to apply, but depending on what your niche is, if it's... um, something that's not so privacy focused, you should always make sure to share the love, um, screenshot the love that people are giving you and share with permission, of course. Um, But, you know, it's one thing if you're just always out there saying like, oh, my thing is awesome. But if you can show that other people think your thing is awesome, and if it really truly is, there will be no shortage of people telling you that. Um, so it's always a great idea if someone like tweets at you a really nice compliment or posts about you in your Instagram stories, etc. like retweet that, repost that on your Instagram story, etc. Um, to show that you know, you're really helping people and making an awesome difference in this world and building confidence in what you, who you are and what you offer people and providing a little bit of that social proof that there are people out there who buy from you and see value in what you do. So um, just a good reminder to share the, the, the good things as well. Um, so hopefully this was a great episode for you guys to inspire you, you know, ways to get at least 30 content ideas in 30 minutes, and then a little bit on how to hone it and figure out what to do with those ideas, uh, moving forward. Thanks guys. And I hope you have a fabulous Monday if you're listening to this when this comes out. Um, and otherwise I will see you guys next week.